Welcome to CISO Interviews, where Affinia hosts cybersecurity executives sharing career advice, actionable insights, and tips so that you can enhance your career and succeed as well. Michael, thank you so much for taking time uh, for, for this interview. As we start, can, can you maybe talk a little bit about your current role and what's in your purview? Sure. Uh, my current role is the Chief Information Security Officer for uh, Rubrik. Rubrik is an IT company uh, out, of, out of Silicon Valley, uh, primarily specializing in the, the, the data security space. Um, my background, uh, I just uh, started this job back in June of this year. I had spent 20 years in the federal government, uh, did time in, in the Air Force, uh, then went into the commercial space, worked for Cisco as a systems engineer for 11 years. Uh, and then went back into the government, worked in the defense and the intelligence space uh, with the Defense Intelligence Agency, uh, with the Central Intelligence Agency. And my last two jobs, uh, I always ran large uh, IT infrastructure type environments, you know, cloud computing, work group mm-hmm. computing, that type of stuff. Uh, networks for 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 global federal government activities. Uh, my last two jobs uh, within the federal government, I was the principal deputy CIO for the State Department for two years. So I was a CIA employee, but detailed down to the State Department. And um, in that particular job, that was the first job where I actually had like the cybersecurity role uh, roll up to me, in addition to running kind of operations and engineering. Um, and that gave me like a, a great insight into kind of the the juxtaposition of the IT infrastructure role versus mm-hmm. the cybersecurity role. And, and oftentimes there's friction there. I mean, there's, and, and so you got to weigh the, the pros and cons of any one cybersecurity activity, base that against kind of the pros and cons of any operational IT activity. And, and you kind of kind of make a, got to make a value judgment as to what, what the best course of action is to proceed um, because they're, they're, they're just competing priorities oftentimes. Uh, but that gave me great purview into kind of the, the worldwide state of affairs for running a large IT organization and the cyber threats that come with running a large IT organization. Uh, and then when that detail finished, I went back to the CIA and I was the, the deputy CISO for a while and ultimately the CISO uh, for the CIA for the last few months of, of my federal career. And, then, and that gave me, you know, obviously some great insight into the the worldwide state of cybersecurity as it plays out between, you know, the, the, the interest between the cyber gangs and the foreign intelligence services and, and you know, data theft and, and what organizations do with that data once they steal it and how they try to steal it and compromise mm-hmm. organizations and kind of the whole, uh, the whole criminal, the whole criminal enterprise that surrounds cyber crime and specifically data theft, either be that ransomware activity or, you know, just theft of data to, to compromise intellectual property. Certainly, certainly, and uh, I think you have a very unique perspective, both from the from the government side and also from the from the private sector as well. That's uh, at kind of at a very high level. So uh, I'll be very curious to kind of hear your views on a number of topics we're going to discuss. But uh, at your current role at, at, at Rubric, um, is your role more operational, or I know some of the some of the companies they hire what, what they would call a field CISO, so it's mm-hmm. it's partial kind of an evangelist role for a particular solution, or maybe both. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so, so my role primarily is to run the, the cybersecurity uh, program internally for the company. So that's, mm -hmm. you know, everything from the, the compliance activities uh, to the IT infrastructure cybersecurity mm -hmm. function, uh, also stemming into the product development cybersecurity function. So how are we securing the software development lifecycle of the product? Mm -hmm. uh, how are we evaluating uh, and doing penetration testing on the code, both static and dynamic? Uh, how are we doing, you know, version version release penetration testing, uh, vulnerability management. So basically all the whole life cycle of not only the IT infrastructure side, but mm -hmm. the product per, the product security side is really my primary focus. Um, you know, every now and again, uh, I do get an opportunity to, to talk to CISOs in other organizations about kind of, you know, what the cyber threat is that we're seeing. Um, you know, being the CISO for a company that develops a product, um, I do get an opportunity to see kind of the cyber threats that other organizations are seeing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that gives me it gives me an opportunity to kind of discuss kind of, you know, what we're seeing from a lay of the land, you know, cyber threats. Uh, how what are the what are the primary focuses of anyone's cyber criminal activity? Uh, what are they focusing on? How are they trying to design exploits against various different IT infrastructure components? And so it does give me an opportunity to liaise with other CISOs of other organizations mm -hmm. just to kind of maybe sometimes fill in the gaps uh, from a threat intelligence perspective as to what they're seeing. Certainly, certainly. And kind of to double click on, uh, to double, to double click on that, I know there are certain themes that are top of mind right now. Ransomware is probably one. Um, insider uh, insider threats, third-party risk, uh, just kind of to name a few. Um, but I think, again, you have a very interesting vantage point given your past roles and, and your current role. And just imagine you have a crystal ball and you can see into the future six months from now, 12 months from now. Uh, what, what, in your view, would be the top three um, threats that will be top? It could be some of the same, but maybe some of them are emerging that uh, some of the CISOs are not exactly paying attention to. In, in 12 months, what do you think will be top of mind for everyone? This episode is brought to you by Athenia a community where 2,000 CISOs and other senior executives network, learn, and succeed together. To apply for your complimentary membership, please visit www.affinia.com or click the link in the show notes. Now, back to the show. Well, I think, I think top of mind for everybody 12 months from now will certainly at least be more of the same. So, I mean, uh, if you look at some of the, if you look at some of the studies that are out there, cyber crime is on track to be like a $10.5 trillion business uh, oh, wow. in the next two years. And that would make it like the third largest economy on the planet. Um, and so I think, I think when you read those types of studies, whether they're, you know, accurate to to the to the last dollar right on the but the scale of cyber crime is certainly immense and i think what CISOs need to walk away with is that this is this is a criminal enterprise like like these criminal organ these criminal organizations have monetized data theft and they're either going to deny you access to the data or they're going to sell your data on the black market for financial gain or for, for identity theft or so. So, but the whole point of it is this is really an enterprise and, and it runs like an enterprise and these cyber criminal gangs collaborate. I would contend that in many instances, they have backing of foreign intelligence services in certain areas. And so I think if you're a CISO, you got to understand that you're you're not just up against one particular criminal element. You're you're up against a coordinated criminal 
enterprise. And you, from a cyber defensive perspective, uh, you need to be upping your game in the sense that you need to be getting as much threat intelligence as you can, liaising with who, whoever happens to be in your professional network, liaising with you know uh, government entities that, that support your, your particular geography, because, uh, because you don't want to be out there on an island on, on your own. You, you, you need the collective defense of your professional network and, and other supporting actors in order for you to mount a credible cyber defense. So I think understanding the scale and the scope is, is number one. And I think, you know, cybercrime is going to continue specifically ransomware because it's, it's easy money. Um, and, and until the easy money turns off, I think we're going to see our criminal elements continue to go after that easy money. It's just, it's, it's just too easy for them um, mm-hmm. to walk away from. So that's one. I think cyber talent, just getting cyber talent is going to be a challenge. I think in the U.S. there were like 700,000 open cyber jobs. I think if you look at some of the studies, 3.2 million open cyber jobs worldwide. Mm-hmm. So clearly there's a, a talent gap and organizations are going to ultimately compete for that talent gap. But I would contend, you know, maybe we need to do a better job as CISOs of figuring out a way to collaborate um, so that so that we don't so that we're not fighting one another for that 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 cyber talent that we can actually collaborate and, and use the cyber talent that we have to provide more of a collective defense amongst our various and organizations. So I think I think cyber talent is going to be the second one. Uh, that the people the people focus on, and then I, I think the third one is is just as technology continues to to play a larger and larger role in our lives, uh, the, the evolution of technical debt um, is is the thing that continuously drags you know uh, our cybersecurity posture down, and that is you know organizations spent time and money delivering IT infrastructure solutions, and then. Then they go into maintenance mode, and then ultimately there's not enough money to maintain those things, yet you can't retire those systems because they provide an organizational or business function, yet because they're not able to be upgraded and patched or the vendor no longer supports them, they become this great source uh, of of cyber threat and cyber vulnerability. And so just just making organizations realize that they're carrying forward this this continuous technical debt and, and trying to work that off through upgrading outdated platforms, continuing to do effective patch management. I mean, th- those are the vectors by which a lot of these organiz- these cyber criminal organizations get in. And, and I think helping organizations understand what that technical debt is and what the risk is to their organization is going to continuously be a challenge. Interesting. I've, I've, I've talked to some of the IT uh, departments and, and the an- a- anecdotes that they say, like, we have this box that no one knows what it does, but it runs once a week and we just try not to breathe when it does because it's, yeah. there are so many dependencies with it. And the people who used to kind of build it, they're no longer with the company and it's just, it's untenable to uh, to maintain and it's too expensive and, and too time consuming to replace. So it's uh, dealing with legacy systems. Uh, uh, it's, I, I cannot even imagine what kind of challenge it is, especially when technology is changing so fast. Um, yeah. And to continue the thread on the second one, the the talent that you mentioned, I, I think it's not lost uh, uh, on on anyone uh, there the shortage of talent, but also the opportunity for talent for um, either for IT professionals looking to make a switch into cybersecurity, or even kind of even more junior professionals or or even students uh, looking to make a career. It's I, I just read the study. Uh, essentially saying that positions in cybersecurity will be 
uh, a little bit more protected in the in the downturn, and they have a little bit more pricing power in terms of uh, uh, salaries that they demand. So naturally, there's a lot more people kind of looking to make a career from from your perspective and from your experience. Uh, what would you suggest some of those ju- more junior professionals, what should they be focusing their time on? Uh, again, what are the kind of the top three things you should think that mm-hmm. people need to focus on maybe a little bit earlier in their careers? Yeah, the, the, in my in my experience, the really effective cybersecurity professionals uh, have 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 not solely been cybersecurity professionals. They've done other things. So they've done, you know, application development, or they've done uh, IT infrastructure management. You know, they were they were networking admins, or they were system admins. So so they've done something different, and they they understand uh, what it takes to you know develop and maintain a code base or run a large IT infrastructure. uh, And they understand the inner workings of those. And I think that that makes them significantly better cybersecurity professionals along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, my recommendation to anybody that's, that's coming up through the ranks is to, to take an opportunity to go out and do something that's, that's not, you know, solely cyber related, but that has some other function within your organization from mm-hmm. running about IT enterprise or, or, or developing code because I think I think you're going to get a much a much better perspective um you know we, we, a lot of the, a lot of the foundational elements for cybersecurity we we say them like they just roll off our tongue like they're so easy like you know asset management and identity management and patch management and vulnerability like we say these things like they're easy and, and they're foundational elements and they should be easy but when you get into the the nuts and bolts of running a large IT enterprise, um, you find out that they they're just not they're just not that easy, right? I mean, you would say, "Wow, gee, we should know everything that's on our network." Well, like we should, but we don't all the time because people stick stuff on our network all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we we lose, you know, agents don't check in, so we lose visibility onto laptops or servers, and we have to you know have to continuously go out there sometimes and, and reinstall agents or have them recheck in in order to produce you know inventory manifests for devices so that we can do effective vulnerability management but these all these intricacies are the things that that, that bog us down oftentimes and I think if you don't have an understanding of, of what those intricacies are um, you can't you kind of lose lose sight and so I would recommend that that's that's something that, that that's essential for being a good cybersecurity professional and then you know, what was helpful for me is understanding you know your cyber team is telling you that you need to do you know four or five different things. And your operations team says, well, if I do those four or five different things, you know, this will be the impact operations, whether it's user access or cost mm-hmm. or complexity or whatever. And just being being able to see, you know, if I do A, there's an effect on B and C and trying to, you know, you, you oftentimes have to run a, a a very uh, a very narrow course between what the right what the right course of it's just not black and white and you have to weigh these competing factors and figure out what the right course of action is for for your organization um, but I don't think you get that unless you've you've had a, a foot in, in those various different camps at mm-hmm. various different times in your career certainly certainly um, I read somewhere uh, that a lot of um, whether it's ransomware I mean, phishing attacks um, they're directed at mid-sized com- organizations, small businesses that may be uh, thinly uh, resourced, because you would imagine, you know, large financial institutions—they have dozens and dozens of uh, of people on um, various teams. They're kind of very well resourced and supported. 
And to continue the thread that you mentioned, a lot of the uh, cyber criminal organizations, they're essentially businesses. And and um, I know some of the logs, internal logs that are were made public, I think uh, Krebs on security, I think it uh, likes to publish some of the, uh, gives it would, it would give glimpses of inner workings. And it's, it's incredible. Um, they divide responsibilities among different teams. There are year-end bonuses and performance reviews. It's it just it's it certainly is certainly run. Uh, offer, a lot of them are run as a business. Uh, what would you suggest? Uh, some of the organizations, maybe on a smaller size in terms of um, the org, uh, what would be some of the aspects they should focus on that will give them leverage against probably much larger. Um, I know, adver uh, uh, this episode is brought to you by Athenia, a community where 2,000 CISOs and other senior executives network, learn, and succeed together. To apply for your complimentary membership, please visit www.athenia.com or click the link in the show notes. Now, back to the show. Yeah, I think you touched on a, on a really good topic here, which is everybody... Every organization is resource constrained, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know that any CISO or CIO that I've ever talked to that says, yeah, I've got all the resources that I need to do my job. No, nobody ever, or very few people rarely ever say that. So I think this really comes down to using the resources that you have uh, to protect your biggest asset against the most credible threat. So I, I think a couple things. Number one, what is the biggest asset that you as an organization have? And I think a lot of times this comes down to really understanding, I think if we take a step back and say, look, all these criminal activities are, all these criminal activities are designed to steal data. Like no, nobody gets into your network just to say, haha, you know, I've, I've gotten into your network. I got your switch configuration. Like nobody cares about that. They get into your network because they want to do something with the data that rides across that, in, that network. They, they want to take it and they want to sell it or they want to deny you access to it. But it comes down to getting access to your data. And so I guess the question becomes for you as any, as any organization is, what data do I have that would really be of value to someone else? Like, what's the data that I have that is valuable to me? And then would that data be valuable to somebody else? And I think if you can do that first, and then the next step is understanding where that data actually lives and how people actually use and process that data, because that I think will then tell you, okay, if I know my critical data and I know where it resides, then these are the protection mechanisms and these are the resources that I should put around that because that's the most critical function for my organization. So instead of like taking your resources and just like peanut butter spreading them across all the potential cyber threats that might exist, you know, focus on the things that might be most relevant for your organization. And that means that you're, you're probably not going to spend money on a whole series of cyber activities that maybe don't, you know, they wouldn't manifest themselves in any really materialistic way in your organization, but you're going to put the time and the resources against those things that would be really detrimental to your organization. So I think it's just taking that fundamental understanding mm -hmm. of, of what's important to your organization, what are those threats, and then applying them uh, applying them that way. Uh, I think threat intelligence obviously feeds into that as well. Like, you know, am I am I even being targeted? You know, what, do I have stuff of, of value to the, to the bad guys? And how do I get mm -hmm. information that helps provide me insight into whether or not the criminal actors, th you know, see me as a, as, as a viable target. I think those, those are pieces that are important as well, but it really is, you know, you're never going to have enough resources. So how do you apply those resources in the most meaningful fashion? Certainly, certainly. It actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, so essentially you 
would prioritize the value of your assets. And then based on that, you try to identify the most likely entry point um, and secure those because in the end of the day, the bad actors probably, they're not trying to create more work for themselves. They're, they're really looking for the weakest link um, for the low hanging fruit, and if, yeah. if you are aware what this uh, what this weakest link may be, may be, and you protect it, it's probably a, a good way to think about prioritizing resources. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and the other thing that I learned along the way is like I don't have the I don't have to have the best defenses in the world. Like I don't have to be a hundred percent. I just have to make it. I just have to make it more resource intensive on the bad guy than they would gain value from from accessing my network and taking my data. So if the value proposition switches, right, where it's more expensive and more time consuming for you as the bad guy to get into my stuff, then I kind of win this battle. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, that old joke uh, that you don't need to run faster than the bear, you just need to run faster than the next guy, right? Exactly, yep. Um, I, I want to, again, kind of to uh, uh, continue the thread that you mentioned uh, that sometimes priorities and constraints of an IT organization may not be 100% uh, congruent with the cybersecurity team. Um, some of the conversations that we had, the feedback is um, the, the, the kind of the input that, I, that we're hearing from cybersecurity executives is that uh, as, a, as a group, cybersecurity professionals need to understand not only the technical domain that the probably are experts uh and but also business needs well organizational needs really if you're talking about the um the public sector as well uh, because you don't want to be known as a department of no so it's basically where all initiatives go to die uh and to your point it's it's oftentimes it's it's walking a fairly thin line uh, making sure that you're Cybersecurity is in enabling business goals and business needs, but at the same time, making sure it's done in, in, in the right way. Uh, from your experience, what are some of the tactics, I guess, uh, of kind of balancing organizational needs and cybersecurity needs? Yeah, I think I think from a business perspective, um, you're right. Like. It, the business needs technology in order to get the job done. Um, and, and, and cybersecurity should be about how do we get the job done safely? And, and that doesn't mean that we need to adopt the original proposal. I mean, we, we, we can certainly say, look, I understand what you wanna do, but to do this safely, to protect the organization, to protect our customer base, to protect our employees, we should do it in the following way. Um, and so I, I think there's an opportunity to say that. You, you, if you say no all the time, right, you're just going to be bypassed. I mean, they're, they're just going to stop going to you. And, and, and you don't want that. You want to you be a part of the solution. Um, you don't want to be known as the organization of no. That being said, um, I, I do think that you do have an obligation, specifically as a CISO, to, to raise raise awareness that potentially there is a course of action that's 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 high risk and uh you need to say look you know i i might you know this this might not be something that we should really go about doing uh in particularly this way i understand what the organization is trying to do but you know uh, maybe this is something we, we should shy away from or, or take a different look at i, I think i think you have an obligation to do that I equate that to, to, you know, getting legal opinions on things, right? When you go to general counsel, general counsel may say, look, I, I advise against doing this or sharing this amount of data or whatever it happens to be. And, and you can choose to take general counsel
council's opinion or not. Um, if you don't, I mean, you're running with a little bit more liability. Uh, but I think as CISOs, we, we do have an obligation to say, look, these, these are potentially some risky behaviors that we're engaging in and, and we may want to think twice about them. Let's, let's have a conversation about what we, what's the real business intent and then let's figure out the safe way to get there. So, I mean, I do think I do think there's a, an obligation at some point in time to kind of raise awareness and maybe change the course of action. I understand. I understand. It makes a lot of sense. I know coming up on time, um, you mentioned that some of the uh, that you uh, you kind of uh, you talk to other CISOs in other industries, maybe, and that's kind of part of the mandate for Fini is to provide uh, a platform for cybersecurity professionals, maybe from different industries even to uh, to connect and and share knowledge. Because again, uh, cybersecurity, is, it's a team sport and it's uh, succeeding together is probably is the way to go. And with this in mind, I'm sure you probably, you're a member of uh, kind of various professional networks. Um, for, and from that perspective, what do you suggest we should do more of or less of as uh, uh, so that it's not taxing on anyone's time because I think time is uh, is the biggest one of the biggest constraints everyone has these days. But so that would provide value, but um, in a way that's that's not that's kind of uh, easy. Whether it's content or networking opportunities, that will be easy to to take advantage of, easy to to, to consume, but not not sap uh, mm -hmm. anyone anyone's calendar. What, what do you yeah. think? To focus on. Uh I think one of the, the, the biggest benefits that I've seen thus far is just general awareness, like who who are the CISOs and the cyber pro professionals. Um, I think the, the the regional happy hours that, that you have, which are just social get together. So you kind of know who's like in your local community um, and it, it is in the same business space that you happen to be in. Because I think ultimately, and we've touched on this throughout this conversation, right? Ultimately, uh, for us as CISOs and cyber professionals to up our game, it's through building that professional network. It, it's built. It's about having these liaisons with other people that are in the same field, understanding what threats they are seeing mm -hmm. so that we don't feel that we're isolated. And so the more that we can do to bring people together and provide forums for them to, you know, cross-pollinate and share experiences, mm -hmm. whether that's, you know, virtual engagements or in-person engagements, I think that's the, I think that's the real key and the, and the real value add um, is just being able to bring people together and have them share their common experiences. And as you said, like there, there, there's no, this is not a forum where anybody's trying to sell anybody any one particular thing. This is just helping to build out that professional experience and that professional network. And I think I think that's the that's the invaluable piece. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Michael. I where are you mostly on LinkedIn? Where can people find you? What's the best? Uh, yeah, yeah. LinkedIn is probably the primary way that you know I've I've kind of built out my relationships and my professional network. And so yeah, it's the best way. Certainly. Well, Michael, thank you so much for your time. This was uh, this was amazing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. If you like this episode, please subscribe to this channel and visit afenia.com for more information about your complimentary membership or click the link in the show notes.